Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Good Thursday morning. It is going to be a day of wild weather from coast to coast. It sure is. Al's tracking it all. It is February 16th. This is today. All over the map, tens of millions in the path of severe storms and possible tornadoes in the south. Snow set to blanket parts of the Midwest, while up and down the East Coast, people are heading outside to enjoy record high temperatures. Your full forecast straight ahead. Breaking overnight, a fatal shooting inside a crowded mall in Texas. What we're learning about the suspects now in custody. While on the campus of Michigan State, an emotional vigil attended by thousands as police prepare to reveal new details from the investigation into that mass shooting later today. One-on-one, -on -one, Craig sits down with new Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley in her first interview since entering the race. We've got to start riding the ship. We need new blood. What she's saying about her decision to run and her phone call with her former boss-turned-opponent, Donald Trump. I didn't ask, I told. Outrage in Ohio, frustration boiling over at a town hall meeting in Ohio. We all just want answers. Residents voicing their concerns in the wake of that fiery train derailment and the environmental damage it may have caused. This, as the head of the EPA heads to the crash site today. We're live with the very latest. Those stories plus unforgettable icon tributes pouring in for Hollywood legend Raquel Welch. We'll look back at her incredible legacy on and off screen. And remarkable images, never before seen video of the Titanic released nearly four decades after its discovery. Why the rare footage is now just being released and how it inspired a movie classic. Today, Thursday, February 16th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning. We're so happy to see you. Glad you're with us on this Thursday morning. And we are talking extreme weather in every sense yeah. of the word. Take a look at this. More than 25 million people are at risk for severe storms from Ohio to Louisiana with tornado and thunderstorm watches in effect. Yeah, more than 30 million people are under winter alerts from the central plains to Maine. Some areas could get up to 10 inches of snow. But get this, along parts of the East Coast, it's another day where you shouldn't believe what the calendar says. Mid-February, but it feels like mid-April. Let's get to Al and get our full forecast. Hey, Al. Hey, guys. So we've got a lot going on today. And in fact, we've got cold air to the north. We've got really rough weather here to the south. We're looking at a tornado watches. We even have a tornado warning right now in parts of eastern, I should say, western Tennessee as we watch this. And we've got severe weather today. 26 million people stretching from Cleveland all the way down to New Orleans. We're talking 
tornadoes likely, wind gusts, damaging wind, damaging hail, one inch or more. And this area in red, this is the risk for some EF2 tornadoes. And these could be very strong at times. So we're going to be watching that very closely today. And we've got that rain. We're talking anywhere from two to three inches of rain. Locally could be more stretching from Montgomery all the way to Clarksburg. And as far as this warm weather, I mean, is it February or May, especially the eastern half of the country? Boston, 23 degrees above average at 60. 66 today in New York City, Knoxville, 71, 19 degrees above average. We move into tomorrow. You're going to see that colder air starting to make its way to the east. Buffalo, 27. Cincinnati, 37. Chicago, going to be 26 degrees. But tomorrow, Boston, 60 degrees. New York City, 57. That's 15 degrees above average. And then temperatures are going to start to cool down, but then warm back up again by Monday. Portland, 48 degrees. New York, 55. Same in Cincinnati, guys. So much warmer weather. Then it takes a dip and then back again to more springtime. Ride the roller coaster. Thank you. Thank you. Now to some terrifying moments in El Paso, Texas last night. Gunfire erupted inside a shopping mall there. One person was killed. Three people were injured. Two of them are in critical condition this morning. An off-duty police officer was able to subdue the suspect within minutes of the shooting. A second suspect was also taken into custody. So far, though, no word of a possible motive. Also overnight, a gathering of thousands on the campus of Michigan State University. The Spartan community came together to honor and remember the victims of that mass shooting. And today, police are expected to give an update on the investigation. NBC's Jesse Kirst joins us from East Lansing. Hey, Jesse, good morning. Hoda, good morning. This happening as students just hours from now will return here to Berkey Hall. The FBI will help them collect what they left behind as they ran for their lives. This is happening as we're learning more about the suspect, including getting a look at newly obtained police body camera footage. It was edited before NBC News received it, but it appears to show the suspect during an arrest in 2019. As Michigan State grieves the loss of three promising young lives, this morning demands for change are growing. Do you feel safe? No! Dozens rallied outside the nearby State House Wednesday calling for tighter gun laws. Nobody should ever have to go through this. It needs to stop. No. Meanwhile, survivors are returning to where gunfire erupted Monday night. The FBI helping students retrieve items like phones, laptops, and backpacks left exactly where they were when their owners fled for their lives. Connor Dunn says he escaped the student union, eventually hiding in a nearby ice cream shop after the suspect allegedly accessed two different campus buildings. What was that like to essentially go back to that moment in time? It was hard because I remember I, I almost relived the whole thing. MSU's police chief telling me this school of more than 50,000 students may get a security overhaul. I think there have to be adjustments that we made, but we can't lose focus on what the purpose of an academic institution is. It's for learning. This is new police body camera footage obtained by NBC affiliate Wood TV appears to show the suspected shooter during a 2019 arrest for carrying a concealed weapon. The footage was edited before NBC News received it. Late Wednesday, the campus community coming together by the thousands. Men's basketball coach Tom Izzo among them. But as a Spartan, we always get through it together. We're Spartan tough, Spartan strong. That's the university. That's what we do. That's all. We support each other. 
Amid that grief, this university community will try to move forward. The school resumes normal operations today. However, classes will be canceled until Monday. This, as we expect an update on the investigation from university police, that's later this morning. Hoda. All right, Jesse Kirsch, keep us posted. Thank you. Meanwhile, the 2024 presidential race is beginning to take shape. Republican Nikki Haley's campaign is officially underway after her announcement yesterday. And the former U.N. ambassador heads to New Hampshire today after making her first appeal to voters in her home state of South Carolina. And Craig, you were there. Mm-hmm. You spoke with Haley right after that announcement. Yes, mm-hmm. we're down in Charleston yesterday. Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Nikki Haley first made a name for herself on the national stage as the governor of South Carolina, then as U.N. ambassador. Now, Haley has become the first challenger to her former boss, Donald Trump, for the Republican nomination. Less than a year ago, um, you said that if former President Trump was going to run, you wouldn't run. It's been reported that a couple weeks ago, you call your former boss, you you asked for his blessing uh, to run, and he said that that you, you called him the greatest president If that's true, then why run against him? I'm going to keep that phone call personal. I didn't ask. I told that I thought that we needed to go in a new direction. But when I first said I wouldn't run against him, Afghanistan hadn't fallen. We didn't see the rise in inflation like we've seen. We didn't see what was happening in our schools the way it was. And we didn't see the results of the midterms that we just had. It is time for a new generation of leaders. You shouldn't have to be 80 years old to get to Washington. And we've got to start riding the ship. We need new blood because we have some serious challenges. After the insurrection, you said Trump, quote, will be judged harshly by history. He went down a path he shouldn't have and we shouldn't have followed him. And then later that same year, you said, quote, he has the ability to get strong people elected. We need him in the Republican Party. Can both of those things be true? Yes, except for the media, because the thing is... So he can be partially no, responsible for, for the insurrection, but still be an essential part of the party. I have said January 6th was a terrible day. I criticized him for that, and I stand by that criticism. I have said he was a good president in the way that he lifted up so many people economically and he did real good in this country. That can be true, too. When I see something right, I praise it. When I see something wrong, I criticize it. As you know, um, the immediate past president still maintains that the election was rigged, that it was stolen. He's not alone. There's this recent Monmouth poll that found that 61 percent of Republicans said that President Biden won because of a voter fraud. How do you navigate that. I don't have to navigate anything. We saw a lot of things happen during COVID that wouldn't normally happen, that created some mischief that shouldn't have been there. Is Joe Biden the president? Yes. Joe Biden is the president. I've We shouldn't question that. Do I think that everybody needs voter ID like what we did in South Carolina so that we know that everybody's vote is valid? Yes. But you know, election denialism has become a pretty significant part. There's going to be a percentage of people who don't think Joe Biden's president. But 61%? I don't think it's 61%. I think you have 61% who are saying, look, we need to have trust in our elections and we need it to be as transparent as possible. In your speech, you said of China that China will end up on the ash heap of history if you're elected. Um, That's pretty strong. A few months ago, you, you said that China was was closer than ever to invading Taiwan. If China does invade Taiwan, should there be a military response from the United States? 
Republicans and Democrats for too long thought that if we were nice to China, they would want to be like us. They don't want to be like us. They want to destroy the West. We need to change the way we look at them. And so that means we should have a strong military. And for God's sake, we should not have Americans look up at the sky and see a spy balloon from China looking back down on us. And if we do those things, Craig, there won't be an issue in Taiwan. Because if you are strong and China knows that we mean business, they're not going to make that move. If they do invade, should there be a military response? I think we have to look at that when that happens. But what we do is we have the backs of our allies. Let's talk Ukraine for a moment. The former president, your former boss, has said that he would stop supporting the Ukrainians if he's elected. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has said that the Ukrainians shouldn't get a blank check. Where do you stand? The war in Ukraine and Russia is not about Ukraine. It's about freedom. And it's a it's a war we have to win. Because if Ukraine doesn't win this, Russia will go on to Poland and the Baltics, and then we'll have a world war. What we need to do and what Biden should have done was give them what they needed to win early. We're not putting troops on the ground. We are not writing blank checks. But when they need the ammunition to win, we should give it to them. President Zelensky's asked for F-16s. Should, should we give those to him? I think we give him what he needs to win, not money, but equipment. And you recognize there's some daylight between you and the other declared candidate for the Republican nomination on that front. There's some daylight between me and Joe Biden because Joe Biden was slow to the take. But to be fair, Madam Ambassador, you have to win the primary. You're you're talking about President Biden a lot, but there are only two candidates in the Republican primary right now. It's you and your former boss. No, and you guys are obsessed with me talking about him. But what I'll tell you. Well, there are only two candidates. It's okay. I don't kick sideways. I kick forward. And what I'm telling you is Joe Biden has not led. Let's talk about the uh, the primary field. Uh, Back in 2016, a lot of folks believed that one of the major reasons Donald Trump won was because the field was so crowded. How real is the worry that the same thing happens this time around? I don't care about any of that. What I care about is going straight to New Hampshire, going to Iowa, talking to the people in South Carolina and getting our message out to America. The only other contender in this race, he's been known to to say some pretty dirty and nasty things about his opponents, been known to give him nicknames. Does that concern you at all? Not at all. Not one bit. I have worked with him. He's known for doing that. I got a job to do. Are you going to kick back? Whenever I'm kicked, I always kick back. And he knows that. During the conversation, I also asked the former ambassador about issues facing Americans here at home, including whether she supports a federal abortion ban and her plans for Social Security and Medicare. We'll have that part of our conversation coming up for you in the third hour. Mm-hmm. Right. Great conversation. Great. Right. Good yeah. conversation. Thank, Thank you very you much. much. Got a lot more to get to, including growing fears of a potential environmental crisis in the Ohio community where a train carrying toxic chemicals derailed nearly two weeks ago. Overnight, residents packed into a local school gym to voice their frustrations and demand answers. NBC's George Solis joins us with the very latest on it. George, good morning. Savannah, good morning. While some in this community have returned home, others are choosing to stay far away, fearing their health may be in jeopardy. That's despite several statements from officials that insist air and water quality is safe after several rounds of testing. Overnight, tempers flaring at a heated town hall. It's been nearly two weeks since a train operated by Norfolk Southern carrying hazardous chemicals derailed and caught fire. We're being railroaded by the railroad. People worried about their health point to the death of thousands of fish in local waters and what they call a frustrating lack of answers. 
This morning, federal EPA Administrator Michael Regan is traveling to the site. We are with the community. We're going to hold this company accountable, and we're going to be here until this problem is cleaned up. While state officials say the air is safe, they suggest drinking bottled water, especially in homes that have wells. I have been waiting for a phone call for my well testing, and I'm not getting one. Some evacuated locals who were told it was safe to return home now say they're suffering from burning eyes, headaches, and nausea. Norfolk Southern did not attend the PAC meeting, saying it might not be safe for its employees. But it did say in a statement to NBC News, we are not going anywhere. We are committed to East Palestine and will continue to respond to community concerns. It's just been an absolute nightmare, really. Uh, a lot on the nerves for everybody. Carol Policaro and her cousin Ashley McCollum evacuated and say their families have experienced significant symptoms they attribute to the derailment. Carol has since returned home, while Ashley and her children are staying with her mom in Pennsylvania. It's just so friendly, and now it's completely opposite. Everyone's terrified. No one wants to really go outside. Also worth noting that a bipartisan group of senators has sent a letter to the EPA requesting that the agency make sure that Norfolk Southern do things like pay for cleanup, compensate impacted residents, and as well as provide more monitoring plans for the future. As for that visit from the EPA administrator, well, he's expected to meet with residents inside of their homes, as well as state and local leaders. Savannah. All right, George Solis, thank you very much. Emotions boiling over in a Buffalo courtroom yesterday as the white supremacist who killed 10 black people at a supermarket was sentenced to life in prison. The dramatic moment came as the sister of victim Catherine Massey addressed the shooter, 19-year-old Peyton Gendron. You don't know a damn thing about black people. We're human. We like our kids to go to good schools. We love our kids. We never go in no neighborhoods and take people out. Don't do it. See there, another relative lunged at the gunman. He was quickly subdued by guards. Gendron was ushered out of the courtroom temporarily. The convicted killer was given 10 life sentences, one for each of his victims. If he's convicted of the federal hate crimes, he could face the death penalty. All right, 17 minutes after the hour, I was back for the rest of his forecast. That's right, guys. We've got a snowy side to this storm, and we're going to be taking a look at that. Severe weather ahead of it, strong storms from the Gulf Coast all the way into the Ohio River Valley. The cold continues out west while we've got all this record-breaking warmth in the east. And that is your latest weather. All right, Al. Thank you so much. Still ahead, new video shown at the Alec Murdoch trial revealing his first interview with police and the moment he learned he was a suspect in the murders of his wife and son, we'll have the very latest in a live report. And then haunting images of the Titanic never before seen, captured during the very first manned voyage to the wreckage. Why are they just now coming to light after 37 years? But first, this is Today on NBC. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed check that out 7 30 yesterday's <laughs> massive victory parade for the chiefs big win in the super bowl Hundreds of thousands of fans wow. lining the street. You think Patrick Mahomes had a good time? <laughs> he looked okay. He sure looked like He's it. He's like displaying the Lombardi trophy. I mean, it was not Tom Brady throwing it in like in the boat or whatever, but it was pretty darn good. Pretty cool. I love the, the goggles, sunglasses to the side look. But. I think that's going to end up trending. Uh, and by the way, guys, we have a really special boost. We're going to feature, feature the Kelsey brothers. Oh. They made history. Uh, they faced off again in that game. Well, they've got some new ways that they're showing love to that amazing Amazing mama. That's cool. Yes, I like that. Well, by the way, this could be a key day at the high-profile trial of Alec Murdoch. Prosecution hoping to rest its case after jurors were shown video of the exact moment the now disbarred attorney learned that he was being accused of killing his wife and son. NBC's Katie Beck is covering the trial for us. Katie, good morning. Good morning, guys. Murdoch was asked to come into that field office to get an update on the case. But as it turned out, investigators were armed with serious questions about his alibi. Murdoch would soon learn he was the sole suspect. Just two months after his wife and son were murdered, Alec Murdoch agrees to answer a few questions for investigators. But it didn't take long for investigators to cut to the chase. Did you kill Maggie? No. Did I kill my wife? Yes, sir. No, David. Do you know who did? No, I do not know who did. Did you kill Paul? No, I did not kill Paul. South Carolina Law Enforcement Division investigator David Owen took the stand Wednesday to testify about that interview and what he calls inconsistencies in Murdoch's timeline. It wasn't one inconsistency. It was several inconsistencies over a period of time that were repeated. Owen also revealing in that interview he's confident Murdoch family guns were used in the crime. Information the investigator says didn't shake Alec. Did you just ask him we've established family guns were used? Yes, I did. What was his response? Would nothing be the answer? Correct. At other times during the interview, Murdoch emotional, asking investigators for details about what Maggie and Paul felt before they died. On cross-examination, the defense pinpointing what they call missteps in the investigation, like never testing Maggie and Paul's clothing for DNA, and waiting three months to search Murdoch's mother's house, where he went the night of the murders. The defense also questioned whether Owen lied to Murdoch during the interview. So you lied to him? 
I'm allowed to use trickery to elicit a response. Yes. And you're allowed to do it, and you did it. Yes. But Owen says when Murdoch's story kept changing, he became the primary suspect. So does that mean that I am a suspect? With, with, with everything that we've talked about, with the family guns, the ammunition, nobody else's DNA, I have to put my beliefs aside and go with the facts. And in another twist, the judge saying he will allow in the evidence of Murdoch's alleged suicide for hire plot, saying the defense counsel opened the door to that yesterday on questioning. The big question now, will Murdoch's cousin Eddie, the accused hitman, take the stand? Guys. All right, Katie, thank you. Joining us with more on the trial, NBC senior legal correspondent Laura Jarrett. Laura, good morning. We'll talk about, I was about to say crazy Eddie. It's cousin Cousin Eddie. Eddie. We'll talk about cousin Eddie and his impact in a moment. But let's start with this interview of Alec Murdoch that was presented to the jurors. What are the takeaways? Pretty powerful testimony there um, from the detective, the lead detective on the case. You clearly see them wanting to highlight all the inconsistencies Mm -hmm. in Murdoch's story. Number one being, he is asked four different times by that detective, were you down? at the dog kennels that night because we all know that he was. We now have that Mm -hmm. on video. He says four different times that he wasn't. Now, assuming the jury was able to get that (laughs) point, that's a huge point for the prosecution to score. Let's let's talk about Cousin Eddie for a moment now. Again, for folks who haven't been following it as closely, this is the cousin who allegedly was involved in this this suicide for hire along the roadside here a couple of months after the double murder. The fact that the prosecution, at the end of the day, managed to get get that in. How significant could that be? So in the beginning of the day, it seemed like a huge win for the defense, a rare evidentiary win. The judge said, it's too prejudicial. I'm keeping it out. By the end of the day, the cross-examination of that key detective, the defense lawyer raises this whole prospect of Cousin Eddie, and the prosecution says, wait a minute, you've now opened the door. And so on the one hand, it seems like such an unforced error. You had a rare evidentiary win. Why would you do it? Perhaps they're trying to goat the prosecution into calling Cousin Eddie because he's such a problematic Uh witness. Perhaps they think they can do such an effective job on cross-examination that they'll score a point there, but it's unclear. It it may be... doesn't make any sense, though, because they're the ones who fought to keep the testimony out and then at the end of the day had stepped in and And, and opened the door and now he's coming in. And it's risky for them. And so they may think they can do a good job on cross-examination. That remains to be seen. Just real quickly, a lot of the cross-examination of the detective yielded information that perhaps this was not the most buttoned up investigation we've ever seen. Major gaps in some of the investigation techniques, things that weren't searched, things that weren't retrieved. What what did the jurors take away from that? I think that was a real missed opportunity for the state. This should have been their star witness. Um, He was red in the face. He was clearly sort of trying to figure out a best explanation for it, but there were some real holes. He all but admitted that he had to tell, um, he had to tell the jury that he told the grand jury before they indicted Alec Murdoch mm-hmm. that the t-shirt he was wearing when the police pick him up mm-hmm. had blood on it. It does not have blood on it. Mm-hmm. That's a huge miss. And that was what the jury, when they indicted him, thought they believed. And he also had to admit that they didn't actually uh, test the clothes mm-hmm. that yeah. Alec was wearing earlier in the day when their entire theory is that he changed the clothes. Yeah, it's a How problem. did they not test the clothes? When it's yeah. a credibility yeah. contest, it's mm-hmm. a, a big issue. Yeah. Well, Laura, we will Thanks, continue Laura. to watch. It continues. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Coming up, your safety when you fly front and center on Capitol Hill. What the head of the FAA had to say about that string of runway near misses and the computer failure that grounded 
thousands of flights nationwide. But first, we got Joe Fryer here with the story behind the never before seen images of the Titanic just now coming to light. Hey, Joe. Hey there. Yeah, this is really the first time that humans laid eyes on the wreckage of the Titanic. The footage was taken nearly 40 years ago. Now you get to lay your eyes on the footage. We're going to show it to you next. Hey, it's Mel Robbins. Let's cut to the chase. There is a change you want to make right now, but you're waiting to feel motivated. You don't need motivation. You've got me. You can change your life anytime you want. And when you're ready, the Mel Robbins podcast is here to help you with inspiration and simple science-backed tools to help you create a better life. Listen to me and you'll feel motivated, all right. Listen and follow the Mel Robbins podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. We're back, 741 <laughs> in-depth today. A rare and remarkable look at the Titanic shipwreck. Yeah, nearly 40-year-old footage just now being released showing how the ship was first rediscovered. Morning News Now anchor Joe Fire joins us with more on this. Hey, it took 40 years, huh? And, I, which is really surprising. Yeah. yeah. And as the Celine Dion music would suggest, <laughs> yeah. this was all done actually in honor of the Titanic movie's 25th anniversary. The footage shows when remains of the Titanic were seen by human eyes for the very first time. It's an 80-minute video taking us inside the storied ship in a way we have not seen before. This morning, rare footage from the depths of the ocean, bringing a spectacular new view of the Titanic to the surface. The never-before-seen video was captured back in 1986, documenting the first manned voyage to the wreckage. The research crew making its way through the sunken vessel on the floor of the Atlantic for the very first time, discovering the bow, railings, and inside of the luxury liner. The ship's ill-fated journey was brought to life by James Cameron's 1997 Oscar-winning blockbuster. But the real story of the thought-to-be-unsinkable steamship was almost never uncovered after the vessel struck a massive iceberg on its maiden voyage from Southampton, England, to New York. It took nearly 75 years to find the Titanic's final resting place two and a half miles below the surface. Robert Ballard led the team that first discovered the wreckage. I must say. To literally land on the deck of the Titanic was quite amazing, almost just hard to believe. More than 1,500 people died in the Titanic's catastrophic collision. While their remains are no longer present, signs of early 20th century life can be seen throughout. It's sort of like their tombstone. And to see a mother's shoes and next to her, her baby's shoes. That's pretty powerful. The newly released footage captures the ship in the best condition human eyes have seen since it sank in 1912. Recently, scientists have discovered metal-eating bacteria rapidly turning the Titanic's remnants into dust. Last year, high-definition cameras were able to capture the deteriorating watery ruins, the famed captain's bathtub, 
now barely visible. But the video captured by Ballard's crew rewinds the clock nearly four decades. It was really literally uh, entering a preserved museum. And the deeper you got into the ship, uh, the more preserved it was. Now, this newest look at the 110-year-old ship is fascinating the world once again, allowing us all to join in on the discovery of a lifetime. So Ballard says this newly released footage actually helped inspire James Cameron to make the film Titanic. Cameron even set up a private screening for The Explorer before it premiered as a thank you. When Ballard saw it, he said he was surprised to see how accurate the movie was and that he felt like he was really getting to see the ship that sailed. Oh. What was incredible, like James Cameron had such an attention to detail that really mm-hmm. did right. feel like it brought Titanic to life. Yeah, wow. I can't believe that was 25 years uh-huh. ago. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Hold me, Jack, Time or whatever. Flies. What was the line Time on flies. the river? Yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Let's get another check of the weather, Mr. Roker. Hey, guys, I am inspired. Where are you? Just to say, where are you going? <laughs> What do you, what do you want me to? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What are you doing? Remember the scene? You're flying. <laughs> oh, this really brings back memories. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to Jack see that. Rose. Sorry you had Jack to see that, Joe. Pardon us. I'm anyway. so glad you're back. I'm so glad. <laughs> We're looking at 31 million people. Winter weather advisories, winter storm warnings stretching from the plains all the way into northern New England. We are looking at severe weather down to the south. Tornado watches there. We We've got snow up into the plains and parts of the Great Lakes. So for today, snow and wind for sections of the Great Lakes. We're looking at a severe risk from the Ohio Valley down to the Gulf Coast. Tomorrow, heavy morning rain from New York down to Georgia. Then colder air expanding in as that front exits the East Coast. So the heaviest snow, about six to eight inches in northern Maine. And then as we head around the Great Lakes, we're looking at about two to four inches of snow, but some places getting up to six as you stretch Davenport, Des Moines on into Nebraska City. And that is your latest weather. We'll never unsee that. I know. That was beautiful. You're welcome. It really was. (laughs) America. All right. Coming up next on The Boost, guys, you you love Donna Kelsey before the Super Bowl. Wait until you hear what her sons are saying about her after Sunday's big game after this. All right, we're back. Carson rejoins Welcome from Black Duty. Hi. Hey, Carson, this is Hi. when we do the boost now. Let's do it. This is when we do it. Let's Come on. Boost. Right before 8 o'clock. Here we go. By now, we all know the story of the Kelsey brothers, Travis and Jason. They faced each other in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Well, we introduced you to their proud mom, Donna Kelsey, who joined us right here on Today Before the Game. Well, For the first time since Sunday, we are hearing from Travis and Jason on what it was like to share that special moment with their mom. The brothers getting emotional on the latest episode of their New Heights podcast. The moment I saw mom is when I got really emotional because, man, it was so awesome. It was awesome for, you know, she was on top of the world for, for a week. She was the heavyweight champ, man. It was just so cool, man, to see, uh, you know, her get to celebrate in that with us. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. It was an awesome moment. Man, wow. I love that. And by the way, Jason went on to say, even though his team lost the Super Bowl, he was crying tears of joy because it was such a special moment for his mom and his brother. I mean, special week for the family. How do you think? Like watching the brothers' relationship, getting to know Donna from her being on our show. 
Uh, they said that Rihanna's Fenty uh, makeup line went up like 800% after the halftime show. Yeah. I bet that podcast of the Kelsey Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. About Absolutely. a million percent. Don't you want to know how she raised those I just right. All I could think was mom goals. Yes. For your sons to feel that yes. way about you yep. and each revere other. you, love yes. you, love yeah. each and other. And to be able to express it. Oh, yes. my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yes. Way to go, Donna. Donna, write a book. Yes. Really? <laughs> We're buying it. <laughs> you mentioned right. Rihanna. Uh, what's that? You mentioned Rihanna. Yes, I did mention Rihanna. Yes, that's right. She's uh, on to something else. We're going to tell you what Rihanna's doing after that big halftime show coming up in a few minutes on Popstar. Okay, cool. And then the star who channels Princess Diana so brilliantly on The Crown, Elizabeth Debicki, will be right here to talk about that uncanny transformation and what's next for that hit show in its final season. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.